Hello, and welcome to Forward Church Online. In this weekly podcast, we hope that you'll have an encounter with God through inspired teaching and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I love you. Thank you. Thank you very much. See, I had a moment a little bit ago. I was, uh, I was sitting here praising the Lord, and I just looked at this crowd, and I thought to myself, these people, they're not really coming to hear me. They're, hearing, they're coming to hear what Jesus has done in my life. But it's amazing because of where I was and where I stand today, the joy that I'm experiencing, it's, it's untouchable. Like, there is nothing that could touch the way I was feeling right there in that position right there earlier. I'm going to go ahead and get into my testimony right here. So I come here to tell you about my life today and, and the things that God's done and, and where I've been and, and how I've ran from Him. At seven years old, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had cancer in my stomach. I had 80%, I had 20% chance of living. They went in to do the surgery. The mass was too big. They could not remove it. You know, I looked over and told my mom after this surgery, and I said, look, God's going to heal me. I had childlike faith. I believed it. Three days later, they went in to look at the, at the tumor. It was completely gone. He had healed me at that point right there. So at a very young age, I knew my Lord and Savior very well. I had an intimate relationship with him. Now, I went on, through, went on to high school, played high school football, 17, 18 years old, had a couple thousand-yard rushing seasons, was a pretty good athlete in Trenton, Florida, won a district title in 1998. Now, my relationship with Christ at that time was not real close. I was not, I was not real intimate with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The most important thing in my life at that time was football. That was what I thought about. That was my focus. That's where my mind was. So, at that time, I, I, I got ready to go off to um, McMurray College. So I, so, I got a scholarship and went off to McMurray College. And when I went up there to McMurray College, I... I, I I, di- I just wasn't into it like, like I thought I would be. Where I, where I come from in Trenton, we, we were about hard work. I was about determination, about giving everything you got. And all the guys up there weren't, weren't that way. So I decided to come back home and go to Santa Fe Community College. When I got here, I did not have football in my life. I did not have God in my life. Without those two things in my life, I turned to drugs. The first drug I started doing on a regular basis was I started smoking marijuana. I started smoking marijuana. And I experimented with it in high school, but it became a daily thing for me. It became a daily habit, something that I had to do all of the time. So this habit became expensive. So I approached the guy that I was getting the small portions of marijuana from, and I said, listen to me, um, this is kind of getting expensive. I need a little more weight. You know, I need a quarter pound, something, you know. $250 with the marijuana, $225, um, something I could make a couple hundred bucks for, get high for free. So the guy, he had it. He, he started giving me the connect on that, giving me the hookup. So at that point, I started selling marijuana, nothing big. Now, with me smoking marijuana every day, it's, it's becoming boring to me. I'm looking for another outlet. I'm looking for that rush. I'm looking for that feeling that I got from football because I'm not getting it anywhere else. So now I start turning to Molly's. You know, ecstasy. I start eating that on the weekends. 
becoming a little bit of a raver, taking, doing these things where, where, you know, I get drunk and all of a sudden I want to go eat ecstasy and stay up all night. Now this becomes a weekend thing, something that I'm kind of getting, now I'm just selling a little marijuana at the time, and I'm like, it's not that big of a deal in my head. It's not that big of a deal. I've got this monster under control. One night, I'm at a party. Guy walks up to me and says, hey, hey, man, come in here with me. I say, no problem. I walk in, table in front of me, eight lines of cocaine on it. He says, hey, get you one. I said, I've never done it. He said, it won't hurt you. I said, yeah, it's just that big. I'll do it. I snorted it. I walked away from it. I said, that's a pretty good feeling, but no big deal. Nothing big at all. So I continued to do this cocaine. I was about 20 years old when I started cocaine. And, 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 I'm, and I'm snorting the cocaine a little bit on the weekends, doing the molly some. And now I come to a point in my life where, where I need to make a, some quick cash. I need $250, $300 to pay a quick bill. And I can't figure out how I'm going to get this money in three days. So I approach a, a guy I know who I knew had a large amount of cocaine, what I thought was a large amount of cocaine. I say, hey, man, do you mind if I, I could buy a little bit of that from you, you know, make a little money? He said, no problem. So he armed it to me, which in the drug business, he fronted it to me. So he makes more money, and then I make a little money. I made about $500 that night. He armed me two loads of it. So I said, hmm, now this is something that kind of gives me a rush. It's easy money, and I enjoy it. Now, I go to the guy I'm getting the marijuana from, the next day, and I say, hey, listen, man, you know, I don't think I'm going to sell a lot of marijuana anymore. It's big. It smells. I got, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of money. I'm, I'm going to get more in the cocaine thing. He said, hey, man, don't worry about that little stuff right now. I'll give you $6,000 worth of it in two days. I'll have it up here. You can give all your guys the coke. I said, that sounds like a good thing. He gives it to me. I make about three grand in about two days. Now, this is the rush that I was looking for. This is the high that I was shooting for. Now, all of a sudden, I'm selling all these drugs, and I become more violent because I think people are after me, and I think people are looking at me, and I want to make, make it clear that, I, that, I, that you're not going to push me around. You're not going to push me around, and you're not going to mess with my money because I'm going to get on your head, and I'm making that clear. And, and also, what I did at this time is if, if I seen someone who I knew, okay, he makes three or $400 a week, I'd go ahead and buddy up with him. Come on over here, man. You work for me tonight. I'll make you four or $500. Buddy up with them. Take these people and destroy their lives. Just destroy their lives with my sickness, with my terrible disease that has been destroying me. So I go on with this cocaine selling, and, and I do it for about... I do it for an entire year, and, and, it's, and it's, not, it's not troublesome. It's not to the point where I get in any trouble. It's not to the point where anybody's getting hurt. It's not really bad. And I even managed to make decent grades at the time. So I'm like, this is an okay life. Now, the second year I start selling the cocaine, I'm 22 years old at this time. The second year, a little bit different. A little bit different. I started the fall at Santa Fe. Had two guys that I hung out with all the time. They knew my business very well. They knew how much weight I sold. They knew that I was very violent. They watched my back. They did a lot of things for me. One of them calls me up one night. It's right at the end of the fall semester. He says, hey, man, what are you up to? I say, not much. Uh, he says, I'm going to come on by. I said, all right, I'll be up. Six, seven in the morning rolls around. I'm looking for my friend. 
He's not there. So I go to sleep. I wake up. I probably got like 10, 15, 20 missed calls. You know, everybody's been calling my phone looking for this guy. I cannot find him. He's not in my house. I don't know where he's at. Come to find out, he flipped his truck. He ran into a creek, drowned, killed him. Drunk driving accident. First friend died right there. Right there. Now this is a lot on my mind at the time because I am selling large portions of cocaine. I've probably got about $10,000, $15,000 worth of cocaine in my house. I've got, I've got people who owe me money. I owe people money. It's a, it's, a, it's a very stressful situation. Now I'm dealing with a death. So now I'm dealing with a death. And I'm turning into more of a monster, more of a freak, more of just a machine of destruction. So the next semester starts. I'm trying to get away from the, from the, from the drug game, but I'm not successful with it. So I start selling drugs again. Uh, I stay out of it for about three or four months. So then I get back into the cocaine trade. And I, and, I, and I start selling, and I'm selling more and more and more. Now, I told you there was two guys that I hung out with, me and the other guy, hanging out six months after the, after the first death. Me and this guy are using drugs. We're snorting cocaine. We're eating pills. We're snorting oxys. When I say pills, we're eating Xanax. We're smoking weed. We're drinking alcohol. We're doing a smorgasbord of drugs. Now, I go in the club. Me and him are in the club. We're getting ready to come out. He says, I'm going to go out of the car and take a nap or lay down. I don't feel so good. I say, okay. So when I get out there, I get to my SUV. My friend's laid over in the back seat. He's got blood coming out of his mouth, white stuff coming out of his nose. My friend is OD'd. So I take him to a friend of mine's house, and, and, and we're trying to resuscitate him. We're trying to bring him back, and I'm freaking out. I don't want to call the cops because I got drugs on me. I got four or $5,000, you know, in my pocket, and I'm freaking out. We have to call. We have to call 911. We have to get him over there. When they do, they, they're able to bring him back. So, so I rush down to the hospital, and I get there, and, and I'm saying, oh, my goodness, you know, I, he, I saved his life. His, his, his mom comes up, and I said, you know, he's, he's okay. And she said, she said a, a couple choice words I ain't going to say in this house. And I said, are you kidding me? I saved his life. That's how sick I was. I really believed it. When I was the one giving him the drugs, I thought I saved his life by calling 911. So he survived that night. They were able to bring him back. But he didn't make it long. Three months later, I get a call. He'd overdose. He died. Funeral number two, within nine months. Now, same things I'm dealing with. Cocaine trade, money everywhere. Now I've got another death on my mind. And this is, this is becoming overwhelming to me. This is becoming too much to me. I'm, 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 I'm having a hard time handling this mentally and I'm starting to turn into this monster this demon of destruction I'm getting so violent I'm about a month after this thing had happened I'm I'm driving down the road it's about 12 o'clock in Gainesville I stop at a stop sign this is just a small intersection someone hollers at me out the window I jump out of the car I run to his vehicle punch out the back windshield and me and him proceed to fight right there in the middle of the day because I was so sick I had to inflict my pain on others. That's how sick I was. That's how sick I was. Shortly after this happened, shortly after this happened, I took my ride in the ambulance. I took my ride. I ate five Lord tabs, three or four Xanax bars. I um, 
snorted some Oxycontin, I uh, snorted some cocaine, drank a lot of beer, smoked some crack. Also smoked crack. Went down that night. Went down. Four, four, res, uh, four respirations a minute is what I was taking. Four respirations a minute. Now, I decide I'm going to change. I'm not going to continue this life. I'm going to open up my own business. I'm going to open up a gym. And now, I'm going to change. I have got to find something that, that I'm striving for, that I'm working for, that I'm taking and putting this energy in. So, I open up my business. And, and I say, okay, well, now, now I'm not going to sell cocaine anymore, man. I got my business. I can live right. I can go here. I can do this. But now... I've got access to more money. And now I'm seeing how much money I can make. Now it's turned into a real monster because I can sell more. I can make more money. I can do more. I can make more. I can cause more destruction. I can take more steroids. So now I'm taking, I'm taking all these steroids and I'm selling multiple drugs. I mean, I have everything that you want. I have cocaine. I have ecstasy. I have GHB. I have steroids. I've, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting out of control with it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really heavy on this, this drug GHB. It comes in a liquid form just like this right here at the time. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm partying all night one night. Since I'm 24 years old, I'm partying all night. And, and, and I come in and, and I'm saying, man, you know what? Life is too much for me like this. I'm selling too many drugs. I got money I owe here. I, I can't take this. One cap of this GHB looks just like this. We'll send you flying. I poured about five ounces in a glass. I said, I don't want to live anymore. And drank it. I do not remember really anything. They said they found a note. I, the next thing I remember is my friend poking me, trying to wake me up, and I was laying out in some yard, and we did a home remedy to bring me back. So, you think after all of this that I would learn my lesson, but I continue on this path of destruction. I continue on this terror. Now, from there, at 25 years old, while I'm owning this gym, I run into a girl I know, very Christian girl, great girl, love her to death, she's a sweetheart. I say, okay, this is my key right here. This is what's going to change me. This is what's going to change my life. This girl right here is going to change me. So, we start dating. And I say, hey, I'm not going to sell drugs anymore. I'm not going to sell drugs anymore. So, in my mind, I really didn't. I didn't sell anything large. I just sold small things. So, that was very minute for me. Um, so, with this girl, I don't have as much funds. I don't have as much money. I don't have as much, much to get high on. So, so, with, so while, while I'm dating her, then I start using this drug called crystal meth. And I'm smoking it. Okay, now I don't know if you know much about it, but it would drive you insane. There's times where I would come home smoking this crystal meth, and I would, me and my girlfriend lived in this nice neighborhood, and I would sit at the window, and I would tell her, our neighbor is out there, he's looking at us, he's after us, and he's a banker, he's in bed, he's got to go to work at 7.30 the next day, it's 5 in the morning. I'm going insane, I am losing my mind. Now let me tell you something. This drug, crystal meth, if I've ever in my life thought that there was something evil speaking to me, it was when I would smoke that. It would tell me to go run out here, that there's somebody behind me, that there's somebody in your closet. And I would believe it. 
I was destroying everything at this point. So this girl stays by my side in hope that I will straighten up. She is a Christian girl. She stays by my side. One day, I know she says she's a Christian, but one day I wake up and she tells me I'm pregnant. So I say, whoa, I'm 27 years old. I don't know how to raise, I don't know how to do anything with myself. I don't know how to do my life. How am I going to do anyone else's? I, I, I can't raise a child. So, so, so I say, okay, yeah, this, this, this is going to straighten me up. This is exactly what I need. I've got to straighten my life out. I've got to do this. So I start reading this book on how to be a dad, and, and, and I want to become this father, and I want to get everything straightened out so whenever this child gets here, I'm the father that I want to be. I can't be this junkie. I can't be this drug addict who's just destroying everything that we have and everything that we own. And, and, and three weeks later, we go to the doctor. The doctor says, your baby doesn't have a heartbeat. At this point, I, I, I had lost. I had lost hope. I, that, that's what I was holding on to. So I go home, and, and my girlfriend's crying. And I'm hugging her. I said, baby, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, baby, I need to go. I, I, I have got to go to the store. I've got to go. I, go. I leave. I don't come back for six days. I stay. I go get high. I smoke crack. I smoke meth. I snort coke. I eat pills. I drink the whole entire time. I do things that are just terrible. Why, meanwhile, while this girl is taking a pill to have the miscarriage, I'm smoking crack thinking that there's people behind me because this terrible demon is destroying my life. It is destroying me. It is eating me up inside. It's just, excuse me, it's just terrible. It's hard to talk about this sometimes. So, one day this girl comes up to me and she should, she should have done this a long time ago. She tells me, Josh, I'm breaking up with you. You know, I really, I really couldn't blame her. I could not blame her now. Now my life is already turning into, into this terror. And now the one thing I had to hold on to, it's gone too. So now, me and her split up. Now I will never forget this. About a week after we split up, I went over to a friend of mine's house and I said, man, hey, what's up, dude? Times are rough. Um, I want to get high, dude. I mean, it don't matter what it is. He said, look. I got some Dilaudid, and that's a pain pill if any of you don't know. I said, okay, great. He goes, now look, I shoot him. I said, that's what I want. So right then, this is in 2008, I become an intravenous drug user. I'm shooting drugs now. Now I'm injecting drugs in my vein. I'm smoking crack. I'm smoking meth. I'm taking anything that comes my way because I don't care if I live or die. It does not matter what happens to me. I have turned into this terrible, terrible, terrible person. Now, about two months after this, after this terrible breakup, I'm hanging out at places that I shouldn't be hanging out with. I'm hanging out with people that I shouldn't be hanging out at, hanging out with. And I come back to a house where I was at, and, and there's two guys sitting in the driveway. And, and I'm like, hey, guys, what's up? It's about 4.30 in the morning, which was pretty norm for me that, uh, those days. These guys say to me, they say, hey, man, you want to get in and, you know, come, around, come along? I mean, we're just getting high, you know, snorting cocaine and things. I said, no, thanks, man. I'm going to call it a night. I just, something felt funny about the situation. I just could sense it. So I went in, passed out, watched the news. One of those guys was found murdered. And I didn't get in that car that night. 
one of those guys was found murdered. Okay, from there, my life is now spiraling out of control. I don't care if I live or die. I do not care if I live or die. It does not matter to me what happens. At this point, in 2008, I, I go out, I'm partying, I'm binging one weekend. I get in my car, I drive, I get a DUI. At this point, can you, can you put that picture up? Not that one. This is the individual I became. This guy right here. If you cannot see the demonic things in that, those eyes, I did not care what I did. Man, I was turning into this animal, this, this terrible person who just would destroy everything. And that dead, cold stare was exactly what that was because I was dead inside. I was a terrible terrible individual now right out of this DUI I come right out of jail I go right to my friend's house I say let's go get high I got somebody that owes me some money we'll either take it out on him or he'll get us something so he he gives us about five ecstasy pills I eat three he eats two we go back to his house soon as we get there he says I got to go run and get some ice he leaves to go get some ice the police kick down the door and now there's a gun right at my head and I'm sitting there high as I can be looking at this gun, thinking, is it real? Is this really happening? I don't even know what's going on. Now, this is where my life has become. They're looking for my friend, and I'm just hanging out with these thugs, these terrible people. So right after this, about two weeks later, I'm still free, and I see a guy who I've had problems with out, out in the neighborhood I'm hanging out in, and, and, and he's hijacking cars, and I go up on him. Now, he pulls a gun on me, and I told him, you better kill me because I don't care if I live or die. I don't care. He runs the other way. The same individual, two weeks later, he texts my phone and says, I'm going to the police about some things, that, uh, some things that you have been doing, some crimes you have been committing, some things you know about. He said, I'm going to him. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not happening. Not on my watch. So now at this point, I'm going to be completely honest with you, church. My intentions were not to go over there and scare him. He pulled a gun on me. I was going to shoot first. Now, I'm going to let it all out here. Now, I'm going to give you the raw. I'm going to give you the raw because that's what I came here to do. I went and got my pistol. Me and my buddy went over there. We're right around the curb, right before his house, just like looking at, at 19 out there. He looks at me and says, don't do it. It ain't worth it. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. I say, okay, but I'm still debating it in my head because I had already made up my mind I was going to do it. So I say, come on. We get out of the truck. I say, follow me. Kick the door in. Come right in. Pull the pistol. Now, I look at the guy. He's standing there, and he just kind of faints, falls over. And that, and that just kind of made me kind of pull back at his girlfriend saying, no, 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 no. I'm calling the police. I'm calling the police. So I run out of there, me and my friend, and I say, let's go, let's go. We're highly intoxicated, highly intoxicated. So we get in the vehicle. We're traveling about 60 miles an hour down a dirt road. I'm in the passenger seat. We, we fly right through the stop sign. When we do, F-350 comes right on my side. Police are everywhere. Police are everywhere. They, 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 they load me up. They take me on to the hospital. I've got seven broken ribs. I've got a broke C4. I've got a broke T3. I'm passing blood out of my urine. They've got me on this bed because I can't move and I'm cuffed to both sides like, like I'm going to go somewhere. And, and, and these, 
these people, these police, I'll never forget this. I thought about this coming on the way coming here tonight. This, this investigator says to me, he says, Josh, don't, don't do anything. Just talk to your attorney. God loves you. And, and, and at that point, I was so demonic, I was so sick, but he was planting a seed at that time. I'll never forget it because I'm sitting here thinking, this guy who is against me is now for me. So I really didn't know. So at this point, at this point, the, the, the sheriff's office is wanting me back there. I can't get up, but the, the nurses are going to help me into the car. They help me into the car. When I get into the car, I, I, they take me back to the Gilchrist County Sheriff's Office, and, and they put me in this cell, and it's, it's a holding cell. So I'm in there by myself. I've got seven broke ribs, and I cannot physically get up. I cannot physically get up. I got the edge off the bed and fall over to get something to drink. Now, I, 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 you, you're probably saying to yourself, that is just cruel. But you know what? That's what I needed. That's what I needed. God knew what he was doing because that's what made me start thinking. Because I thought to myself, 10 years prior to this, people hugged my neck and told me I was a hero in this town. Now I can't even get a drink of water. Now I'm a joke. People don't even care anything about me. Like, I'm just a complete joke. So, I get, I, get, I get charged. I get 24 months of the Department of Corrections. Now, if that's not a place that you really want to be, let me tell you. And I go in here, and when I got there, they had sent me to a rehab prior. I'm about, I'm about seven months clean at the time. Seven months. So, I'm fighting these demons, and I really didn't know it at the time. And, 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 and this, these, these sick thoughts are running through my head. Now, they tell you the drugs are, the, the should be out of your body. You're not going to have these, these, these withdrawals where you shake. But every night after master roster count, I would just shake and tremble in my bed and just close my eyes and I would just think about having sexual acts with, with women and, and smoking crystal meth and doing these terrible drugs. And that's all that would go through my head. That's all that would go through my head. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. One night, I went to sleep, and I'm praying a few nights. I'm praying just a little bit of, a little bit of prayer every night because that's all I can get out. I mean, every night, I'm praying. So I go to sleep one night. While I'm sleeping, I see my body in front of me. And, and I'm standing over it. Now, this white light is going to the sky. And, and, and I don't know what's going on. And I wake up. Now, it was just a dream at that point to me. Now, I, wake, I walk into the TV room, and the guy, guy's standing there. He says, hey, man. He says, what was going on with you last night? I said, I, I, I don't know. He said, it was like demons was getting casted out of you. And I'm going to tell you what. God can rip it out of you just like that. He can bring it out of you. Let's get it up for him. But you better walk with him because I'm about to tell you why. You better walk with him. You better walk with him because I, 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 I was a long way from God when he did this, okay? I was a long way from him. But right then, I become, I become a little more clear-headed and I say, I don't know how to do anything because I've been high my entire adult life. So I learned how to work in prison. I learned how to do this to, to just work. And, and, and I kind of like it. I'm working out and I work. I work out and I work. So then 
I get the work release. Now, when I make it a work release, I'm a machine. 70 plus hours. I'm riding a bike everywhere I work. I'm doing 130 miles a week on my bike, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But what I'm not doing is I'm not getting up and reading them two scriptures. I'm not praying. Now, you remember the girl who I told you I was dating? Her father was a huge Christian. He passed while I was in prison. Now, when I'm in work release, I'm not, I'm not praying like I should. I go to sleep one night. Now, if you don't believe in angels, I'm about to get you right here. I go to sleep one night. My body's right there, and I can see this dark thing coming at it. And my, my grandfather, his brother's right there. My grandfather is standing over my body, and, that, and my girlfriend's father praying to keep that evil spirit out of it. Now, that's real right there. I'm going to tell you right now, angels are real. They're real. And if you don't believe it, you're looking at it right here. You're looking at it. Now, in 2010, I was released from the Department of Corrections. I was released. I walk out here. I don't know how to live my life. All I've done is drugs. I don't know what to do. I don't know, how, I don't know which direction to go. So I become very blessed. You know, to, to my, my brother is working with the Trenton High School team. I become very blessed. Right there. Now, this is Jacquez Powell right here. Now, I'm going to tell you something about kids. I didn't come here to talk to you about Trenton, Chieflin, any of that. I'm going to tell you something about kids. When you come out back into society and, and you've got felonies and you're in a small town and you, you got a job where you don't make a lot of money, you feel very judged. You feel like people are looking at you different. And some might be and some might not. Let me tell you something. Kids... They don't see that. They do not see that. And I, and I can't tell you how much I'm thankful for these kids, man. This kid right here, he, he's helped me more than you'll ever know. <laughs> it's funny how, how God can put, put people like this in your life because... He, he restores this thing of yourself. You know you can work. You know you can do things. But He makes you feel good about yourself. And He loves you. And He tells you, man, I want to be like you. Well, I got news for you. He became way better than me. But uh, <laughs> uh, um, he, he, he just made, it, he made a feeling that, that, that was just incredible. So in the year 2012, I'm becoming close with these kids, man, and I love them. Just, I mean, they are just, they are so special to me. And, and the job I'm working, I can't work with them a lot, but I'm working as much as I can. I'm working as much as I can. Now, this is where God gets me and starts reeling me in. In 2012, in September, I get a call. A friend of mine, who I used to use with, he'd been clean. He died. Overdose. Relapse. He'd been clean. Relapse. Now he passed. I said, woof. I'm not going to another one of these. I know what they're like. And then, you know, I talked to a friend of mine. He said, you, know, you need to go, man. That's just, you know, y'all are too tight. So I go to this funeral, and, and I get down there, and I hadn't spoke to him a lot lately, just here and there. And he, and he was saying some things about God, but I thought that just might have been one of those I'm been in and out of jail things. So I get down there, and, and I'm... And I'm, and I'm and I see that this guy has been, has been a Christian and he was living for God and, and, and he relapsed and, and, and God took him. And I'm like, whoa, now I've got to change. Man, I've got to come closer to God. He didn't, he didn't pull me through all this for me to just stand out here and waste away and just work. I mean, I've got to do more. 
So, so at that point, that's when, that's when my life started changing. That's when my life started shifting. Now, very, very, very... Now put the next picture. Now these, these kids that I've been had a chance to work with, now they are really a special thing in my life. Now this is Stephen Smith, another special kid. Um, 2013, I become a certified personal trainer. Now I've got more time to work with my kids. I've got all kinds of things. Now, now let, let, God had blessed me with, this, with getting this certificate like he was going to bring me out of this thing that, 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 that I was stuck in. And, and I was, I, when I become a certified personal trainer, I was not, I, I was still working a, a, a small, low-paying job. And now it was hard for me to get things paid, and, and saving money was totally out of the question. So I decided I was going to pay tithes. And I was putting money aside, I was putting money aside, and, and I got a short week, and I hadn't paid these tithes. And I said, man, Lord, I got, I, got, I got to get gas. I got to do something. Now the Bible says, if you just want to pay... You just want to pay him, he'll bless you. Okay? Now, I went in there to turn my two weeks in at my low-paying job. I got nine clients that day. Got a call, got nine clients. Now, I'm going to tell you, God is real. He is real. Oh, he's gone now? <laughs> I'm getting back to that. This kid right here, man, he, he's very special to me. I mean, all of them are. I just picked these two pictures out. All of them are very special. All of them. That this kid, man, he gave me a, something within myself. Whenever I, I got out, I was able to watch him and just, it brought back something that just I, I, I had remembered was so awesome. And he's just a very special individual to me, man. I, I, I love these kids. He restored me. Now, he's our quarterback in 2013. And, and, and me, as a convicted felon, the Trenton High School has allowed me to go up there and run the strength program. And, and, and as a convicted felon, he has been one of my leaders. And, and, and we were able to, I, I tell these kids, if you do what I say, if you do what I say and you follow my lead, we will get that ring and we have got it. Now, you can't tell me that God ain't got favor in my life because I'm going to tell you right now, it's real. I'm going to tell you right now, it's real. Now, listen, listen to me. Now, here I am. And two, now I'm 2014, and now I'm blessed. I have a whole family of, of 13 that, that are all Christians that, that, that have the, the Christ for Crusades. They donate money. They, they help the, the Camp Anderson. And, and, and now he has put major favor in my life. Now I have to be obedient at this point. Now, in 2014, here I stand, able to come and talk to children and meet, and meet children and tell them my struggles. And let me tell you something. This ring is wonderful, but that, when I can save those kids, there's no other. There's no other. That's only him right there that'll make you feel that good. I'm going to tell you that right now. So today, me, a convicted felon, I am five and a half years sober. I'm a certified personal trainer with my own business. I'm a state champion. I'll put that picture when I got arrested. Not the other bad one. Not that arrested one. Alright. So at this now here in 2014, after all the struggle, 
All the stuff that I've been through, all the terrible events, shooting drugs in my vein, trying to beat people with my bare hands because I enjoyed it. All of these terrible things, snorting cocaine, destroying people, destroying families. All I got to do is get down on my knees and thank you and praise the Lord. And he'll bring you right out of it. I am not that individual anymore. I am not that individual anymore. Now put, put right there. Now look, I didn't put that up there for Trenton. I put that up there because you know what? You see that? That's me today. Okay? You see how I am? I hang with my boys. I get crazy with my boys. We have a good time. And they, they can tell you that. We have a lot of fun. Now all you other kids sitting in here, if you don't know me, the reason I put that up there is I want you to get to know me. Because I want to help you. I want you to look at my struggles and say, no, I don't want that. Because I don't want it for you, kids. The struggles I've been through, don't walk that path, please. Please. And if you do, please step to me and step to your father upstairs. I'm very, very, very excited for what God's done in my life. I'm, I feel so good talking here. Man, this is amazing. Like, I, I'm at home, and to be able to say that I showed emotion, that's huge. You kids know how important you are to me. I want you to know that. Like, <laughs> you're a big part of me, me coming out of this. That's why I always ask y'all to come watch me. I love you kids. I love y'all to death. I love all y'all. Thank you. Just thank you for letting me share, Dennis. Thanks for listening to this edition of Forward Church Online. We hope this has been a blessing in your life and that you'll share this and other great resources with your friends. We want to invite you to explore our webpage at www.myforwardchurch.org. There, you'll find online giving, church events, and so much more. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter as there's always something happening around Forward Church. If you're ever in our area, we'd like to extend an invitation to come be a part of one of our live worship experiences. Thanks again for listening to the Forward Church online podcast. Have a great week.